Right, I will now call the Prime Minister. I wish for the Prime Minister to answer the engagements questions. Prime Minister! Thank you, Mr Speaker. Mr Speaker, 181 NHS and 131 social care workers' deaths have sadly been reported involving COVID-19. I know the thoughts of the whole House are with their families and friends. Mr Speaker, this morning I had meetings with ministerial colleagues and others. In addition to my duties in this House, I shall have further such meetings later today. We now go over to Claudia Webb. Claudia Webb. Thank you, Mr Speaker. The government keeps saying that this virus doesn't discriminate, but that isn't true. The Office for National Statistics, the ONS figures show black people, African and African Caribbean people are four times more likely to die from COVID-19. It is also disproportionately high for Bangladeshi, Pakistani or Indian communities. What is the Prime Minister going to do now about this? And will he act now to ensure African, Asian and minority ethnic communities in Leicester East and across the country are supported in the next phase of this virus? Prime Minister. Uh, yes, Mr Speaker, as the Honourable Lady uh, may know, we are looking at all the comorbidities associated uh, with uh, coronavirus, all the reasons why people may be disproportionately affected, and a rapid review is now being conducted by Professor Fenton, who will report at the end of the month uh, about uh, particularly vulnerable groups, and we will be taking steps to ensure that they are protected where that is appropriate. Richard Hall. Mr. Speaker, and today I submitted the, uh, a formal expression of interest for a new rail line between Concert and uh, the Metro Centre connecting my constituency to the heart of the North East in Newcastle. Uh, as part of the levelling up agenda, can I ask the Prime Minister for his support in this scheme uh, as my constituents have supported him and me? Yeah. Prime Minister. Uh, can I congratulate my honourable friend on his imagination and his, uh, his plan for a new uh, a, a railway and it is entirely in keeping with our infrastructure revolution and I can assure him uh, that my right honourable friend, the uh, Secretary of State for Transport, will be getting back to him. I notice that Nexus uh, have already uh, identified several possible extensions of the time and where uh, metro uh, scheme, uh, Mr Speaker, which may be of advantage for his constituents. We now come to the Leader of Opposition, Sakir Starmer. Uh, thank you, Mr Speaker. Um, last Friday, the Health Secretary said that right from the start, we've tried to throw a protective ring around our care homes. That caused quite a reaction. Yesterday, it was flatly contradicted by the Chief Executive of Care England. He was giving evidence to the Health Select Committee, and he said we should have been focusing on care homes from the start. Despite that, this is his evidence, what, despite what is being said, there were cases of people who either didn't have a COVID status or were symptomatic who were discharged into our care homes. The government advice from the 2nd to the 15th of April was that, and I quote, negative tests are not required prior to transfers or admissions into care homes. What's protective about that? Prime Minister. Uh, Mr Speaker, as he, as he knows full well, uh, the 
Uh, it, of course, he's, he's right to draw attention to what uh, has happened in our care homes, and uh, we mourn the loss of uh, every victim. But no one was discharged into a care home uh, this year without the express authorization of a clinician. And as I pointed out to him, uh, who, who have the interests of uh, those, uh, those patients at heart. And, and as I said to him last week, uh, which he doesn't seem to have uh, remembered. Actually, the number of patients uh, discharged from hospitals into care homes uh, was 40% down in March on January. Uh, the guidance was changed to, to reflect the change uh, in the epidemic, and that guidance was made available to care homes. And of course, since the uh, Care Homes Action Plan began, uh, we have seen uh, a sharp reduction in the numbers of deaths in care homes, Mr Speaker. And indeed, since I last stood uh, before this House, the number of deaths in care homes has come down by 31%. And I think he should pay tribute to all those who have helped to fight that e epidemic across the NHS and across uh, our, our local services. Keir Starr. Mr Speaker, I think the Prime Minister rather missed the point. The question was whether people were tested people were tested going back into care homes. And the chief executive of um, Care England says because they, won't, they weren't, people who had COVID no COVID-19 status or who were symptomatic were discharged into care homes. That's a very serious issue that requires an answer. Yesterday, the chief executive of Care England, in his evidence, was also asked when routine testing would start in care homes. This is the answer he gave yesterday. I think the short answer is that we've had the announcement, but what we haven't had is delivery, and we are not really clear when that will arrive. This is the Chief Executive of Care England in his evidence. Even the Government's command paper, published last week and introduced by the Prime Minister to this House, says within it, the command paper, I'm quoting now, the Health Secretary says he's wrong, quoting the Government's paper, every care home for the over 65s will have been offered testing for residents and staff by the 6th of June. That's from the Prime Minister's command paper. That's over two weeks away. What's causing the continued delay in routine testing in our care homes? A minister. Mr Speaker, I'm afraid he's simply in ignorance of the facts, because uh, the reality is that already 125,000 care home staff uh, have been tested. 118,000, uh, perhaps he didn't know that, Mr Speaker, 118,000 care home workers have been tested, and we are absolutely confident that we will be able to increase our testing, not just in care homes, but across the whole of the community. And uh, thanks to the hard work of uh, my right honourable friend and his teams, uh, we will get up to 200,000 tests uh, in this country by the end of this month. And, and he may know, uh, perhaps it's one of those statistics and international comparisons he uh, hesitates to make, but uh, actually this country is now testing uh, more than virtually any other country in, the, in Europe. Mr Speaker, again, the question was when routine testing would start, and the Chief Executive... The Chief Executive of Care England, who knows what he's talking about, gave evidence yesterday that it hasn't. If the Prime Minister is disputing the evidence of the Select Committee, that's his own business. Uh, order, order, order. Secretary of State for Health, please. I don't mind advising the Prime Minister, but you don't need to advise the opposition during this. Uh, do, sorry, do you want to leave the chamber? We're on maximum numbers. If you want to give way to somebody else, I'm more than happy. Keystone. Mr Speaker, and um, uh, to assure the Prime Minister, I'm not expressing my own view. I'm putting to him the evidence of experts to committees yesterday. 
Testing, as referred to by the Prime Minister, that on its own is obviously not enough. What's needing is tested, testing, tracing and isolation. At yesterday's press conference, the Deputy Chief Scientific Advisor said that we could draw particular lessons from Germany and South Korea, which have both had intensive testing and tracing. The number of COVID-19 deaths in Germany stands at around 8,000. In South Korea, it's under 300. In contrast, in the United Kingdom, despite two million tests having been carried out, there's been no effective tracing in place since March the 12th, when tracing was abandoned. That's nearly 10 weeks in a critical period without effective test, uh, tracing. That's a huge hole in our defences, isn't it, Prime Minister? Prime Minister. Mr Speaker, I, I, I must say that I've, I find it peculiar because I've given uh, the Right Honourable Gentleman repeated uh, briefings on uh, this matter and, and many others. He's perfectly aware of the situation in the UK as regards uh, testing and tracing in early March. It's been explained many times to him and to the House. But what I can tell him, and, and I think his sort of feigned ignorance uh, really doesn't come very well, but what I can tell him is that today uh, I am confident that we will have a test and trace operation that will enable us, uh, if all the other conditions are satisfied, and if uh, and it is entirely provisional, that will enable us uh, to make progress. And uh, I can tell him also uh, that by the 1st of June, already we've, recru we've recruited 24,000 trackers, and by the 1st of June uh, we will have uh, 25,000. They will be capable of tracking 10, uh, the contacts of 10,000 new cases a day. And uh, to understand the importance of that statistic, I should just remind him that today uh, the new cases stand at 2,400. So we're making vast progress in testing and tracing, and I have great confidence that by June the 1st we will have a system that will enable us, or will help us very greatly, uh, to defeat this disease and move the country forward. And I hope, therefore, that he will uh, abandon his slightly negative tone and support it. Yeah. Yeah. Starmer. 34,000 deaths isn't negative. It is negative. Of course I'm going to ask about that. I'm quite right too. The Prime Minister knows, he says feigned ignorance. For 10 weeks, there's been no tracing, unlike Germany and South Korea. And tracing is critical. There's no getting away from that. There's no getting away from it. The Prime Minister knows it's absolutely vital. He made a great deal of it in his speech to the nation Sunday week ago. He said we cannot move forward unless we satisfy the test that he's set, one of which is test, a world-beating test and trace system. World-beating. Leaving aside the rhetoric, effective will do, there now appears to be some doubt as to when this is actually going to be ready. This is the last, this is the last PMQs for two weeks. Can the Prime Minister indicate that an effective test, trace and isolate system, system will be in place by the 1st of June, Monday week. Prime Minister. Right Honourable Gentleman seems to be in the unhappy position of having rehearsed his, uh, his third or fourth uh, question without having listened to my previous answer. Uh, 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 
I've just I've a brilliant uh, forensic mind there. He does. Uh, what, 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 he, what he has heard is that we have we have a growing confidence uh, that we will have a test, track, and trace operation uh, that will be world beating. And yes, it will be in place. It will be in place by June the 1st. And just to re repeat the figure, since he's invited me to do so, uh, there will be 25,000 trackers. They will be able to cope with 10,000 new cases a day. And that's very, very important, because currently new cases are running at about 2,500 two a, uh, a day. They'll be able to trace the contacts of those new cases and to stop the disease spreading. And what I hope very much is that notwithstanding uh, you know, the, the occasional difficulty of these exchanges, and I, I totally appreciate uh, the, the role uh, that he has to fulfil, uh, that he will support us as we go forward, uh, that he will be positive about this test track and trace operation, and that we can work together to use it to take our country forward. Because that is what I think the people of this country want to see. I'm very happy to work with the Prime Minister on that. He knows that um, from our previous exchanges. Mr Speaker, every Thursday we go out and clap for our carers. Many of them are risking their lives for the sakes of all of us. Does the Prime Minister think that it's right that care workers coming from abroad and working on our front line should have to pay a surcharge of hundreds, sometimes thousands of pounds, to use the NHS themselves? Prime Minister. Well, uh, Mr Speaker, I thought a great deal about this, and I, I, I do accept and I do understand the difficulties faced by uh, our amazing NHS staff, and uh, like him, I've been a personal beneficiary of uh, people who've come from, uh, carers who've come from abroad and, and frankly saved my life. Uh, so uh, I know exactly the importance of, of what he says. But on the other hand, we must look at the realities that this is a, a, a great national service, it's a national institution, it needs funding, and those contributions actually help us to raise about £900 million, and uh, it, it's very easy, uh, very difficult in the current circumstances to find alternative sources. So, with, with great respect to the point that he makes, I do think that that is the right way forward. Keir Starmer. Mr Speaker, I'm, I'm disappointed because the Prime Minister just knows how raw this is. Um, the fee in question, the immigration health charge, is currently £400 a year. From October, that goes up to £624 a year. For a care worker on the national living wage, that will require working for 70 hours to pay off the fee. The Doctors' Association, a number of medical groups, wrote to the Home Secretary this week, and they set it out this way. At a time when we're mourning colleagues, your steadfast refusal to reconsider the deeply unfair immigration health surcharge is a gross insult to all of us who are serving this country at its time of greatest need. We agree, and Labour will table an amendment to the Immigration Bill to exempt NHS and care workers from this charge. Can I urge the Prime Minister to reconsider his view as we go through this crisis? Prime Minister. Mr Speaker, I, I, I've, I've given my, my answer, but what I will say is that I think that it is important that we support our NHS and that we invest massively in our NHS. And this government, uh, this one nation uh, government, Conservative government, is determined uh, to invest more in our NHS at any time in modern memory. We've already uh, begun that and, and that. and we will want to see our fantastic frontline workers paid properly. And that is, the, I think, the best way forward. I want to see our NHS staff 
paid properly, our NHS supported, and I want to, I want to continue our programme, not just of building uh, 40 more hospitals, but recruiting 50,000 more nurses and invest, investing hugely in our NHS. And, and I believe that will be warmly welcomed uh, across the whole of our establishment uh, of our fantastic NHS. Yeah. We're going to lovely Lancashire with Sarah Britliffe. Sarah Britliffe. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Looking at the economic recovery process, I'm sure the Prime Minister will join me in thanking Selrat for the continuous campaign to reopen the Skipton to Colne railway line, of which it's been confirmed that plans will be moving forward. It's also great news that the potential of the freight terminal is being considered, but can the Prime Minister assure me that Hyman and Haslingen will continue to be supported by potential investment in our town centres, business and transport links that we so desperately need? Minister, uh, indeed I can, uh, Mr. Speaker. I'm grateful to my to my honourable uh, my honourable Hindburn and Haslington will indeed continue to uh, receive funding for their town centres. Indeed, the High Streets Task Force will be uh, increasing uh, that support in addition to uh, 118 kilometres of safe new green cycleways uh, and uh, thanks to the, the Lancashire Local uh, Growth Fund, uh, for which I know she has also campaigned. We go to the leader of the SNP, Ian Blackford. It's rather dark today. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Our thoughts this morning are with communities in India and Bangladesh in dealing with the landfall of Super Cyclone Amphan. I'm sure the government will be monitoring the situation and will seek to give all necessary support. Mr Speaker, every week members of this government applaud our truly heroic NHS and care staff. They have been on the front line of this pandemic, regardless of whether they were born here or born elsewhere. Indeed, the Prime Minister has thanked the nurses who cared for him, who were from New Zealand and from Portugal. Mr Speaker, the UK has the highest number of deaths in Europe, and without their sacrifice, we'd be facing something much, much worse. Now, I know the Leader of the Opposition has already asked the Prime Minister about overseas care workers, but on Monday, the Prime Minister ordered his MPs to vote for an immigration bill that defines many in the NHS and care sector as low-skilled workers. Given their sacrifice, Prime Minister, is he not embarrassed that this is how his government chooses to treat NHS and care workers? Minister. Um, Mr Speaker, this is a government that values immensely uh, the work of everybody in our National Health Service, in our care workers uh, and, and across the, the whole community. And I, I can tell him uh, that the reason for having uh, an immigration bill of the kind that uh, we are is not to, uh, to keep out people who can help in our NHS. On the contrary, we want a, an immigration system that works for the people of this country and works for our, our NHS. And I think what the people of this country want to see is an immigration system where we control it and we understand it and, and we are able to direct it according to the needs of our NHS and the needs of our economy. And that's what we are putting in place. And I know it's rejected by the right honourable gentleman opposite, but uh, and, and indeed by himself, but it is the right way forward. Yeah. Returning to Ian Blackford. Ian Blackford. Mr Speaker, the harsh reality is that the Prime Minister doesn't even pay NHS and care staff the real living wage, and he wants to balk many of them from working here at all. We need an immigration system that is fit for purpose. The Home Secretary and the Prime Minister seem hell-bent on implementing a purely ideological immigration policy 
with no basis in fairness or economics. This government has talked about giving back to our NHS and care staff. Well, it's time for the Prime Minister to deliver. People migrating to these nations and choosing to work in our NHS and our care sector must have this government's cruel NHS surcharge removed and removed immediately. Will the Prime Minister make that pledge today? Or will he clap on Thursday, hoping that no one really notices that he's giving with one hand and raking it in with the other? Hey, Minister. Uh, well, well, first of all, Mr Speaker, he mentions the living wage. This is the, uh, the party, the government, uh, that instituted the living wage and now has, in has just uh, increased it uh, by a massive, uh, a massive amount. Uh, secondly, uh, this is the party that is putting more into the NHS, £34 billion, the biggest uh, investment in modern times, and it will, believe me, we will continue uh, with, with that investment. And I would just say, he talks about uh, discriminatory policies at the, at the border. The logic of his policies, Mr Speaker, is that we have a border at Berwick. We're now going down to Dorset, to Richard Drax. Richard Drax. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. The Defence Select Committee heard recently that France is conducting a root and branch review of its defence supply chain, following concerns that China is buying up defence-related companies that are going bust during this pandemic. Does my right honourable friend think it might be wise to consider doing the same thing here, in addition to rowing back from his plans to allow Huawei to roll out 5G? Prime Minister. Um, uh, I, I'm sure there's a, there's a legal term for the, 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 uh, the imputing of a policy to me that I've not yet announced uh, by my, my honourable friend. What I, what, I, what I will say is he's absolutely right to, uh, to be concerned about investment, to be, be concerned about the buying up of UK technology uh, now by countries uh, uh, that uh, may not always uh, have, uh, uh, may have ulterior motives and uh, we are certainly bringing forward uh, measures to ensure that we protect our technological base and I'm happy and there'll be, he'll be hearing a lot more about that in the next few weeks. Heading to Northern Ireland with Colm Eastwood. Colm Eastwood. Thank you Mr Speaker. In Ireland both jurisdictions are working hard to organise contact tracing on a north-south basis. But the Prime Minister's obsession with avoiding a Brexit transition extension means we are critically uh, risking crashing out without a data-sharing framework. This will critically undermine our ability to protect people from COVID-19. When will he put the lives of people in our community above the petty, narrow Brexiteer politics? Prime Minister. I must respectfully disagree with the Honourable Gentleman. Uh, we are working very closely, not just with our, co uh, with our colleagues in uh, the government in Northern Ireland, but also with our colleagues in Dublin. I had a very good conversation uh, with Leo uh, Varadka the other day, and we saw eye to eye on, on the way forward. There's a huge amount shared between the UK and Ireland, and it will continue uh, to be so. Heading down to the South Coast, Caroline Nansen. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Uh, as a stunning coastal destination built on hospitality and tourism sectors hard hit by the impact of the virus, Eastbourne is nonetheless looking to bounce back when it's safe to do so and is part of work on a COVID secure kite mark to inspire public uh, confidence. Uh, does my right honourable friend see merit in this? And when the coast is clear, would he visit? Prime Minister. 
I'm sure the coast is always clear in Eastbourne. Uh, I, 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 will, I will do my utmost to get there as soon as, uh, as I can within the, uh, the social distancing rules that we must all uh, observe. Uh, but her idea of... Uh, I think... Uh, we'll, we'll look at the kite, the kite mark idea. I think the best I can say is that she's a fantastic uh, champion for, for Eastbourne and its attractions, and I look forward to supporting her in any way that I can. Rosie Duffy. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Women make up the vast majority of the workforce in our NHS, social care sector and our schools. However, there's only a handful of women on the SAGE committee and only one woman in the Cabinet has led the Downing Street briefing in the last eight weeks on a very few occasions. Does the Prime Minister agree with me as the chair of the largest group of female MPs in this House that we need a change of tone and more female voices at the top of government to reflect the majority of the UK population, almost 52% of whom are in fact women? And if not, why not? Actually, I think that she has an extremely important point and uh, I've taken dramatic action uh, even before a, a reshuffle and uh, so the two most important appointments we've made uh, recently uh, after Lord Dighton doing the PPE uh, was Dido, one of the reasons we're making such fast progress I think now on uh, test and, and trace is that Dido Harding uh, has, come, has come on board and, uh, and Kate Bingham is leading the, the, the national effort uh, to coordinate our, our search for a, for a vaccine uh, with other countries. Chris Lund. Good question. Thank you, Mr Speaker. I'm very grateful for my right honourable friend's hard work, in particular his commitment to do whatever it takes to help people make ends meet during this pandemic. But in West Dorset, I have many constituents who were employed before the 19th of March, but who are not eligible to be furloughed under the job retention scheme, particularly those who have changed jobs. So can I ask my right honourable friend to look at this area again to see, please, what area, uh, what, what he can do to help those who have slipped through the net and those who have no financial support at this time. Yeah. Minister. Uh, yes, Mr Speaker, and um, I appreciate it's, it's, it's hard. I mean, we have uh, pushed back the, uh, the cut-off uh, date in order to, to help people, um, but we're also looking to support uh, uh, people who are in difficulties with, uh, with some temporary measures on, on welfare, as he knows, the significant £1,040 increase in uh, universal uh, credit stand allowance and uh, working uh, tax credit basic uh, element, uh, but if there are particularly hard cases, and there will be hard cases, can I say what I've said before to the House, that I'm happy to take them up uh, on his behalf. Went to north of the border with Alan Dorans. Alan Dorans. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Will the Prime Minister condemn or condone the reckless behaviour of the Secretary of State for Scotland for making a round trip of almost 700 miles to be physically in the chamber today, in clear breach of the guidance of the Scottish Government to stay home, protect the NHS and save lives, when he would easily have taken part in the proceedings virtually from the safety of his home. Condemn or condone, Prime Minister? Minister. Uh, well, I, all I can say is uh, no, uh, Mr Speaker, I, I, I won't. Uh, and uh, I think that the Secretary of State of Scotland does an admirable job. Yeah. Going over to Tom Randall. Tom Randall. Thank you, Mr Speaker. My constituent, Elizabeth Gould, has proposed the creation of a medal for NHS workers and others to recognise their distinguished service in their work against coronavirus. I think this idea has merit. Will my right honourable friend consider a medal or other accolade in the fullness of time for those who have gone above and beyond in the last few months? 
Prime Minister. As I'm sure the whole House can imagine, uh, we are indeed looking at the, the excellent suggestion uh, made by his, uh, his, my honourable friend's constituent, uh, Elizabeth. Uh, we are thinking how to recognise the work of healthcare staff, of carers, of, uh, of many others, and we're engaging with staff uh, and employers uh, at, at the present time. We now head to Murrin Fellows, North of the Border. Murrin Fellows. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. A senior government figure told the Sunday Times reporter that the UK government will end the job retention scheme even if the Scottish government decides to continue with the lockdown to save lives in Scotland. This would be an act from the UK government to undermine devolution and the Scottish Parliament by slashing incomes to force Scots back to work when it's potentially unsafe. Will the Prime Minister agree to extend the job retention scheme in Scotland for the length of time Scotland's government and parliament deem a lockdown necessary? Prime Minister. Well, Mr Speaker, perhaps I can just say that I, I, I continue to be uh, very happy with the level of cooperation, in spite of uh, what you sometimes hear in this chamber, the level of cooperation uh, between uh, the governments of all four, all four nations, particularly Scotland. I just remind her, of course, that Scotland uh, has benefited from about a billion pounds of, of coronavirus funding uh, in, the last, in the last period, and uh, we'll get about three billion pounds overall, which is perhaps a, 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 a material consideration on which she might like to, to reflect. <laughs> Lucy Allen. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Unemployment in the under-24 age group has already doubled in Telford compared to this time last year, and it's clear that the aftermath of the pandemic will hit our young people hardest, with disruption to education and training, as well as job losses. I know that my right honourable friend is passionate about opportunities for young people, particularly in areas such as Telford, which have suffered disproportionately in previous recessions. Will he ensure that the recovery strategy focuses on young people and equipping them with the skills they need to survive in a post-pandemic economy and indeed thrive in the longer term? Prime Minister. She's absolutely right to speak up for the young people of Telford and their, their immense potential, and that's why we'll be supporting her and uh, them with a new national skills fund uh, worth two and a half billion so that young people uh, can be at the very forefront of our effort to come out of this, uh, this epidemic. That's the end of PMQs.